time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome back in. It is another episode of 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show. Joined a couple times every week by my man Eric Tangrady, former Penguin, veteran NHLer and AHLer, and head coach of the Shady Side Academy ice hockey team as well. And we're going to go in all those different directions. That's why I bring it all. Everything on the CV is up for grabs today, Tango, because it all applies to what we're, how we're going to talk about this team. After a big win in Detroit on Saturday, uh, you know, when we got down to the final three games, Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus, everybody said, hey, you, you don't beat these three teams. You don't deserve to get into the playoffs. But now that the standings are set up as they are, not only do you not deserve to get into the playoffs, you quite literally will not get into the playoffs if you don't win these final three. And when it came time to show up, I'd like to take some credit, you and I, for this, because we talked about Sid on uh, Friday and how he only had two goals in his previous 15 games or whatever it was. And was it maybe catching up to him, playing all 82 this year, eating as many minutes as he was on a nightly basis? And then, bang, he shows up in a big way in Detroit. Huge goal at the end of the first period with just a few seconds left. Gets a second one later. And it feels like if there is a clutch gene, if it exists, if there's a little hidden strand of DNA somewhere in every human, this guy has got to have it because when they needed him in that moment, Saturday afternoon in Detroit, he showed up huge. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the intangible part of when we, like, you know, you look and you start to level, like, greatness of players, right? We talk about Big Ben and then you talk about like, different sports. Not always is it, like, statistically based. Sure, you got to have the numbers to be in that argument, but, like, how do these guys play in the biggest games? Um, you know, me on the other side as a coach with high school kids, I, I always say, like, where are my gamers at? I want to see who my gamers are, right? Not the kid who's going to score three goals in an 8 nothing win, but – the one who's going to show up when your back's against the line and, and, and things matter most. And that to me is why Sidney Crosby is the greatest of all time, because he's yeah. just consistently shown that he's a gamer and he's gone through adversity along the way. And you're absolutely right. You know, you, you challenge that guy for five minutes and it's like, okay, not that he even listens to the media because I think he's very present in himself, but it's just like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Sid, Sid's back to being Sid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gino gets one too late to kind of put the icing on things. Um, what's your confidence level? I'll I'll ask you to put it on a zero to 10 scale, your confidence level that these guys have the ability to will this team to a pair of victories, uh, in games 81 and 82, as weak as the opposition may be. Yeah. If the question is strictly out of 10, can they, can they win these games? I, I feel like I'm an eight or a nine. But, you know, the, the perfect answer is almost a five out of 10 if they're going to make the playoffs because it's a coin flip. You, they have eliminated the part where it's in their hands. It's their own yeah. fate. They, they need to take care of business and they need luck. Um, and that's kind of a situation you really don't want to be in this time of year. But it's just the cards are dealt. Yeah, I mean, I, I just after our conversation on Friday about the way those three uh, Crosby, Malkin and Latang have had to carry this team, how they've had to do so much more. They've been counted on for so much more this year. Um, it really did hit me, especially after Crosby and Malkin both scored and Crosby the way he did on Saturday, that this is exactly the time of year. Now, it may end up being too little too late in their case, but this is exactly the time of year. It's April. The weather's turning nice when they turn their games up. 
and they show up in the big moments just as they did on Saturday. So I could see them, you know, I, I could honestly see them, Eric, even coming out slow against Chicago or Columbus on Tuesday or Thursday in either of those games or hitting a lull in one or both of those games. And one of those guys having one of those monster shifts where it feels like they just take the game by the throat and, and do whatever is necessary. Yeah, and I think from a fan's perspective, that's how we need to watch these games at this part of the season is just like admiring greatness. Because um, I thought that's something that Gray touched on that was like Gray Ferrar last week that was incredible. It's like the Penguins are in this weird phase where like three players can will them to be a playoff team. Um, obviously, they have some good complementary players. Gensel, those guys don't want to discredit their ability. But, you know, watching three guys will them to be like a, above average hockey team. And like, where does that set the team up for the future of like, we're just witnessing greatness in Pittsburgh. And we have these expectations that because you have these three guys carrying a team of 23, that they should be a Stanley Cup contender. And when you just look around the league, that's just not the, the total recipe right now. And um, I'm just admiring greatness watching these guys, which at their age, you could still use the word prime, but it, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, the fact that they're still doing it th- at, at this age, 35, 36, is impressive. But you mentioned, um, you know, relying on those three to do it all, not realistic. So it sounds like some reinforcements may be on the way back for the Chicago game Tuesday, maybe even the Columbus game Thursday, or if there should be playoffs in their future. Uh, Marcus Pedersen wasn't in the regular rotation, but was at practice in a non or excuse me, in a full contact jersey, full participant. Um, and then Kulikov and Benino were back at practice on Monday morning as well. So are those the guys that you're looking to get back into the lineup? If you're really going to start to flesh this thing out, are those the kind of reinforcements that can help will them to a little bit more beyond just winning these final two games? Should they get into the playoffs? Yeah, veteran presence, more pedigree, um, you know, Benino strong in the faceoff circle, um, defensive forward can help strengthen the special teams, Kulikov presence physically, block shots, um, you know, Pedersen is kind of someone that can, you know, not to the crystal tank extent, but can lug the mail a little bit. Um, so these are, yeah, these are guys that can only help. Uh, I just know that this time of year coming back from injury, like you almost wish you had two, three weeks before playoffs to kind of yeah. get thrown into the fire because there's really no time to get caught back up to game speed, get acclimated. Like it's playoff hockey. It's right now. If you're on the other side coaching, like let's, let's play this out. Let's say they win their final two and they're able to sneak in and they got to go up against Boston or Carolina in the first round. We know how difficult it's going to be, but if you're looking at the the Penguins blue line and let's say Pedersen's healthy and back and Kulikov is healthy and back. And you're looking at, at, at pairings of probably Dumoulin and Latang probably Pedersen and Petrie and probably Kulikov and Ruda. Kulikov and Ruda are definitely physical. We know what they can do, but they might not be as fleet of foot. Um, we've seen the limitations that Dumoulin has had at times this year, but he's playing with Latang. Uh, almost how that relationship has flipped in a way over the years to where now Latang is the guy looking out for Dumoulin. And I would think that Pedersen and Petrie would be similar as well. And that Pedersen may be a little bit more stay at home as we've seen Petrie try to add more offense to his game down the stretch. If you're the opposition though, where do you try to get your top line out? Who do you try to get your top line out against if those are the pairings? Yeah. I mean, respectfully, if you're Boston, I don't even think you're concerned about pairings. I mean, they just, they just have, they have, they have one, a one B one C. Um, I'd expect in a series like that, Boston to play 
some of the most hard-nosed hockey. You run that, you know, chip and chase like you wouldn't see, but or like you've never seen. Like they have the ability to play a skill game, a physical game. That's just what makes them so great. Um, but but I think at that point, I think you can fight fire with fire if you're Boston. Um, I think you feel pretty good against Bergeron's line going against Crosby, Latang, and, and Dumoulin trying to get those guys just let's just let's see our best versus your best because we feel confident that our depth is better right. than your depth so um that's the big concern for me when it comes to the penguins is you know one maybe two dimensional um from there where else where else can you find it finding the ability to kind of get an advantage in the hockey game the other part of this that's interesting to me is we start to talk about Benino getting back in the lineup. Granlund hasn't really done anything uh, to to get booted from the lineup yet, at least in Sullivan's opinion. Um, Drew O'Connor banged up now. He was practicing Monday, but in a non-contact jersey. This Alex Nylander cat, who I think is, has looked like he can have an impact on games, and he did have an impact Saturday afternoon, scored the first goal of the day, and then nearly had a second one later. Should he be getting more opportunity? Is this the kind of guy that you can insert late in the year, especially once the playoffs come? If you're in a, especially if you're the Penguins and you're in a, no one expects us to do anything in the playoffs kind of scenario, especially if you get Boston in the first round. In my opinion, anyway, that's the kind of guy I inject into the lineup and let him run around out there with, with paling and, and, and try to make some things happen with their foot speed, with their skill on that third line. Um, Should he be getting more of a chance? Yeah, I think so. I think Paling's been great too. He's been kind of someone to me that's been very consistent using his speed and his size. Um, but no, uh, Nylander, you can't judge him off of what he was because I think he's really starting to become more consistent. Um, he has coming into the league as he was drafted was supposed to be a high end, talented forward. So you know the skills there, and I think now he's starting to learn he needs to be more consistent and he has to play a different role if he wants to stick. So. I think at this point they have nothing to lose by inserting somebody like that into their bottom six because of the high-end skill, his goal-scoring ability, um, and now that he's starting to slowly round out his game a little bit. When you're riding that shuttle back and forth, that yo-yo, man, how frustrating is it? I mean, he's been he's been some days you know, an emergency call up in the morning and shipped back to Scranton, even if it's just on paper. Uh, shipped back to Scranton in the afternoon. Um, how hard is it riding that up and down NHL AHL yo-yo? Yeah, that is something I can confidently speak on because that was probably <laughs> pretty much my entire career. It's brutal. I mean, you can do it early on in your career because you still have the adrenaline and the goosebumps of playing in the NHL that you get. Not that, you know, you take any opportunity for granted, but, you know, right. when you're in your mid to late 20s and you're, you know, you feel like you're not being set up to have success. And, and what does that mean? Like most players get a pregame nap and a good meal. You know, he's probably in a car. Um, coming across, you know, I, I 80, uh, right. one to, to get here. So it gets very frustrating and it's taxing mentally, but at the same time, like any other experience we go through as professionals, you have to be a professional and you just have to find a way and not have excuses. So I think that's probably, you know, after you do it 10, 15 times, you just learn to, you just take a deep breath and just say, it is what it is. And I just got to yeah. deal with it. Control what you can control. All right, million-dollar question. Um, Tuesday, Chicago. Thursday, Columbus. At the same time, uh, Monday night, the Islanders have an Ovechkin-less Capitals team. Uh, the Panthers have a locked-in Toronto Maple Leafs team. They know they're going to be second in the Atlantic, and they're locked in to face Tampa. Wednesday, Islanders play Montreal, who wins for them, reduce their chance of, uh, granted, a limited chance, 8.5% right now, but reduce their chance of possibly winning the Connor Bedard lottery. 
Um, Thursday, Florida plays Carolina, who could have already clinched the Metro by then. It would seem that even if the Pens win their final two, there's still a good chance they don't make it because, like you said earlier, they don't control their own destiny. I know you threw out 50-50 earlier, but what's your gut feeling on how these final few days play out? Yeah, looking back weeks ago, strength of schedule played a factor, but everything you said makes this uh, just who's going to be ready to play. I mean, teams are going to start resting guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say if you look at the schedule, it's probably completely balanced. You just have three absolutely hungry hockey teams. The only difference is Florida's rolling right now, feeling pretty good. The Islanders are rolling. Um, Honestly, three teams for two spots, it's going to take, I would say, four or five out of 10, uh, even if they win both games. It's just hard for me at this point, being even one point behind, um, and I don't know how the tiebreaker completely matches no, up right now. Yeah. I don't think it looks good with the regulation wins for the Pens. So um, it's a long shot. But as we've always said, this team, these players, this pedigree, they seem to always find a way. But um, hopefully they can just stay present and understanding it's one day at a time at this point. Real quick, before I let you run, uh, two with Tango, you are coaching now. You're coaching high school kids at Shady Side Academy. And I got to think as a coach, it does your heart good to see a national championship won on a set playoff of a face-off like Quinnipiac did it this weekend in the Frozen Four. Um, it was textbook. It was like it was just drawn up on the dry erase board on the bench. And they said they practiced that thing hundreds of times this year throughout the course of the season. Is that, I mean, does that warm the the, the cockles of Eric Tangrady's coaching heart when he sees that? Or do you wish for more of the beautiful game where it's like, no, 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 we want to see it happen off the rush. We want to see, I mean, a set play like that, you got to be feeling good as a coach. Absolutely. And and they probably tried to run that play probably close to 100 times this season and maybe executed it twice because everything just has to be completely perfect. You know, win the draw, okay, get it to your D partner. Then the winger has to time it perfectly. Stay on sides, tape to tape execution like it was beautiful to watch. And I'm sure the, they said the assistant coach was the one who drew that one up before the period. Like, I'm sure they haven't stopped him from smiling for <laughs> the last uh, 48 hours. But no, it was beautiful to watch. And we do face-off plays every day with the hope that we can get one extra scoring chance a game. If you execute it perfectly, you will get one extra scoring chance. So for a player's min- mindset, like you do it in practice and you're like, okay, okay, is it ever going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then boom. It's just awesome to see from players, the coaches, that all that work, all that execution pays off in the biggest moment. And, I mean, what a game down the stretch. And yeah. They, like the last 10 minutes, they they deserve to win the game just because the, the ice was tilted from the 10-minute mark on in Quinnipiac's favor. So is this going to be – are we going to see the Shady Side Academy Bulldogs pull this out now in, in, in the fall once things get going? I mean, are, are, is there going to – if we hear you call out – what's what's Quinnipiac's uh, mascot, the Bobcat? If we hear Bobcat. Coach yell out Bobcat, Bobcat, is that going to be the, the Quinnipiac play from here on out? Yeah, we're, we might as well try it, right? It's, <laughs> the, the positive of all this is all the press in hockey, it seems like, is like who can do the Michigan and do an individual skill right. move. And that's the cool thing to do. So you see kids in practice doing that, doing that, doing that. So now as a coach to be able to pull some video and say, this is why we work on these plays. And this is why you guys think this is boring. And like, this is a national championship game and they execute and they score. So it's nice to have a little bit of backing to, to the words you're speaking to these kids on these boring neutral zone face-off plays. But we'll try it. You bet it. We'll try it. Love it. Love it. Tango, thanks for the time today, man. We'll talk again later in the week. And, We'll see what the scenario looks like. We could still be talking about percentage chances and 
who wins what and how many points need to be secured going into Thursday's game. And we'll definitely have plenty to break down off of Tuesday's game against Chicago as well. The home finale this year. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Great stuff as always from Tango. Yeah. You're, you're going to hear him. He's going to be, if you're, if you're at a, a, a PIHL rink this fall, this winter coming up, you're going to hear somebody from Shady side. Yeah. Bobcat, Bobcat. They're going to run the Quinnipiac play off the faceoff. Uh, he's right, though. When he says, you know, four or five out of ten is his confidence level in this team being able to get in now, I, I gave you the scenario. It's not sounding good. I mean, they can beat Chicago and Columbus both, um, get those four points, and it still might not be enough as, with a, as I outlined Monday night. Islanders and Panthers both playing against teams without much left to play for. Uh, Wednesday, the Islanders play a Montreal team that would probably, all things considered, rather lose. Thursday, Florida against a Carolina team that might have nothing left to play for at that point. The other side of the coin is they may still be battling Jersey for the Metro Division crown on Thursday night. You keep your fingers crossed and hope that that's the case and that that's the scenario. All right, as we look ahead to how things play out in the final week of the season and then where they go from there, We'll ask Scott Burnside of Burnside on Hockey, NHL insider, that same million-dollar question. Do the Pens get in? The great Scott Burnside, next, right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff.